0: Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 34. While Jesus was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. This is the Gospel of Christ. Father, we praise you and thank
1: you that you are a God who speaks. And we pray, dear Father, as we have just sung, that you would speak to us, open our hearts, that we would hear your word and be obedient to it. Show us Jesus for his glory's sake. Amen. Do take a seat. Uh, It's wonderful to see a number of uh, new faces. You're very welcome this morning. We continue in a little series in Matthew's gospel that we've been looking at really since the beginning of the year. And if you've been with us, you'll know that time and time again, we have seen Jesus' remarkable power, remarkable power to deliver people from terrible situations, from great danger, from a storm, from disease, from demons, from the power of sin itself. And today's passage, in some ways, is a kind of climactic crescendo. It's a phenomenal demonstration of Jesus' power. There's lots going on in this passage. And I long that we would go away with three things fixed in our minds. The first is this, that we would see our wonderful Savior, a Savior we can have faith in. That we'd come away with a sense of the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing I hope to do is to give us a walkthrough of some of the teaching here on faith. There's lots about faith in this passage, isn't there? The blind men are told that it's according to their faith that they're healed. But this kind of language is, is sometimes confusing, sometimes kind of disconcerting. And I hope as we spend time thinking about it, it will enable us to confidently trust, confidently have faith in Jesus. And then the third thing I want to do very briefly at the end is give us a warning about irrational faith or irrational unbelief those three things I hope we'll we'll see the first is this though a wonderful savior we can have faith in look at verse 18 a ruler we know from the other gospels he's the ruler of a, a synagogue comes to Jesus and says some haunting words my daughter has died but come and put your hand on her and she will live And friends, I don't know about you, but we're so used to these kind of words that we can miss the the significance of them. Jesus, I'm here, but somewhere else in the city lies the corpse of my daughter. The life has gone from her eyes. Her body is cold. She's been cruelly snatched away by death. But only come and put your hand on her and she will be healed. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Well, Jesus and the disciples set off, and we wonder what will happen. Will he raise her from the dead? But before they arrive, uh, we're interrupted by another extraordinary demonstration of Jesus' power. And we see in verse 20, a woman, we're told she's been subject to bleeding for 12 years, probably a chronic menstrual illness. And not only does she suffer from this incurable disease, but according to the purity laws of the time, it, it means that she is unclean. And everyone she comes into contact with, everything she touches becomes unclean. And as a result, she's a social outcast. And she thinks, if only I can touch the tassel on Jesus' cloak, I'll be healed. And so that's what she does. And instantly, in a moment, 12 years of suffering, of pain, of social stigma is ended. It's extraordinary. And Jesus' words are so significant. Jesus says to her, literally, take heart, daughter. Your faith has saved you. And then Matthew comments, and the woman was saved from that moment. Now, in the other Gospels, the word for healing and salvation are are interchanged. Not so much so in Matthew. It's really significant that he says this. And it reminds us that what Jesus is doing here is more than just healing people. These things point beyond themselves. The reason Jesus is doing these things is because he's God. He's God come down. And as God comes down to earth, he shows his great power, his great love, his great kindness to his creatures. But he also shows us what kind of kingdom it is that Jesus is bringing in, what the kingdom of heaven is. And these healings point beyond themselves to show us what salvation is in the kingdom of heaven. That when Jesus comes at the end of time as king, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more sin. There will be no more suffering. And as Jesus demonstrates his power, he shows us what the restored creation will be like. He reminds us the kind of world we long for is not just a fantasy, not just a pipe dream. He's bringing it in. We can trust him to do it. Well, Jesus carries on. He gets to the ruler's house and there are these flute players. It was lovely to have a flute playing this morning, wasn't it? But it's not that kind of beautiful flute. These people are professional mourners. And even a poor person would be expected to hire at least two people playing the flute and one woman to wail. Well, when Jesus gets there, he sends them out. She's not dead. Go away. But they laugh at him. Of course she's dead. We're professional mourners. We know what a dead body is. We know what it is to crowd round a dead body. We do it every day and we play our flutes and we make a noise. And they laugh at him. Don't be stupid, Jesus. She's dead. And of course she is dead. But to Jesus' death is like being asleep. He sends them out. And then he takes her by the hand and he raises her. He reaches into the grave and pulls her out with the kind of power that we might wake someone who is asleep. And it's extraordinary. And friends, this is our wonderful Savior, who has the power over death, who shows us we can trust him not just with our lives, but with our deaths. Well, the avalanche of wonders continues. Two blind men see Jesus. They call on him. Son of David, have mercy on us. They follow him they enter the house and Jesus touches their eyes and their sight is restored. And again, instantly, they can see. And then Jesus goes on again. And there's this man, he's possessed by a demon. And under the demon's influence, he can't speak, possibly he can't hear. And somebody brings this guy to Jesus. And Jesus drives out the demon. And in a a moment, he's able to speak. That problem is healed. Just like that. And you see what Matthew is saying to us here as he piles up evidence after evidence, account after account. He's saying this is the one who has power over sickness, over blindness, over demonic evil, over sin, over death. It's all overcome by Jesus. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. No more suffering. Though it may sound too good to be true, the evidence shows us Jesus is eminently able to do it. So we should trust him. We can trust him. We must trust him. Friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, let these accounts encourage you. Let these words strengthen you to keep going for Jesus this week. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, it's wonderful that you're with us but can I ask you to let these words challenge you? Do you see what Matthew is saying? This is a man we can trust. The Bible's claim is we have a wonderful Savior. We should trust him. But the second thing I want us to see is to have a walk about uh, as we think about faith. A walk down on faith or trust. Because there's lots going on here to do with faith or belief, aren't they? In the original, the word for faith and belief, they're the same same root. And it's used here a lot, isn't it? Look at verse 22. The woman is told, your faith has healed you, or 28. The men are asked, do you believe? Do you have faith that I'm able to do this? And then they're told, according to your faith, it will be done for you. Faith is clearly a big deal here, even when it's not explicitly mentioned, as in the case of the ruler. Clearly, he has faith that Jesus can do something extraordinary for his dead daughter, otherwise he wouldn't have come to him. But people, but this kind of language about faith also often causes much confusion. People worry. Have I got enough faith? Was I not healed? Was my friend not healed? Because they didn't believe enough, they didn't have enough faith. Maybe some labour this morning under a, a feeling of guilt around this kind of thing. Well, as we walk through some facts on faith, I hope this will help us. It's a big topic, and we won't be able to do it justice now. And if I say something that's kind of not quite right or slightly unhelpful, please come and say to me at the end. I hope to be as clear as I can. But it's a big topic, and if I, I don't do that, please come and tell me afterwards. But the first thing we see, faith in the Bible is trusting. It's more than just knowing something. It's more than intellectual believing. It's trusting. And these blind men, they know something about Jesus. They know he's the son of David, the Messiah. But it doesn't stop there, does it? They don't just think, well, that's a nice fact. We'll sit and think about that at home. No, they go to him. They trust him. They go in faith and they say, heal us, please. Have mercy on us. And in the Bible, the chief way we express our faith is, is through prayer. Well, five, five things I want to see on this walk, five things I want to point out on this walk. And I apologize, this ends up slightly like a, a Puritan sermon. Puritans had three points and then it had 27 subpoints. I'm sorry, I've got three points and here are five sub-points, but we'll be done on time, I promise. But the first thing I want us to see as we walk through this is there would be no healing here without faith. There would be no healing here without faith. Now, that might sound controversial, but I don't think it should be. The woman with the bleeding. She knew something about Jesus, didn't she? But if she hadn't gone to find him, she wouldn't have been healed. If she hadn't acted on it, she wouldn't have been healed. And Jesus is really clear, isn't he? Verse 22. Daughter, your faith has healed you. It's not that Jesus is some kind of magical object oozing with power. That if people just touch him, then they're healed. But if if he hadn't gone to her, they wouldn't have been healed. And same with the ruler. His daughter wouldn't have been raised from the dead. The blind men wouldn't have received their sight. Unless they went to Jesus, they wouldn't have been healed. Now, to say that might sound controversial, but I don't think it should be. Uh, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. But he didn't believe his doctors. He didn't trust his doctors. He poo-pooed them. And so when they recommended a course of treatment, he didn't take it. And then after several years, it became clear his doctors were right and his illness was devastatingly terminal. But by that point, it was too late. His faith in his doctors, or rather his lack of faith in his doctors, meant he couldn't get his treatment. Well, in the same way, if we don't believe that God can heal, then we won't go to God and ask him to heal us. That is to say, without faith here, there is no healing. And this is crucial to remember because these healings point beyond themselves, don't they? In a sense, they're, they're symbols of a fuller salvation. And it reminds us there is no salvation. There is no salvation in its fullest sense. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no restoration to God, no welcome into his kingdom without faith. Friends, it's not enough to know Jesus is God. It's not enough to admire Jesus. not enough to think that Jesus is a powerful man. It's not even enough to seek to try and put some of Jesus' teaching into practice and be a a kind of holy person. You need to trust him as your saviour. You need to call on him in faith and ask him to heal your heart and to save you. Without faith, there is no healing. There is no salvation. So trust Christ. Well, The second thing we see here, though, is In the case of physical healing, having faith doesn't automatically mean we'll be healed. In the case of physical healing, having faith doesn't automatically mean we'll be healed. That is to say, just because we ask for it, we believe he can do it, doesn't mean it'll necessarily happen. And when you think about it, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because faith isn't like putting a coin in in a vending machine you know those kind of drinks vending machines and you put a coin in and out pops the drink and if the drink doesn't pop out you find whoever owns the vending machine and you say I want my coin back or I want my drink back we are, we get an obligation don't we put the coin in and it should pop out but faith isn't like that faith is the means by which we cast ourselves upon the living god and we see in these pages don't we a god who is infinitely powerful a God who is our Heavenly Father, who is infinitely loving, who cares for each one of us. And that means that his, but, but his plan is incomprehensible. His idea of what is right for the world is beyond our comprehension. And so it means some of the good things we long for aren't necessarily part of his plan. And I've put this kind of negatively, haven't I? In the case of physical healing, having faith doesn't automatically mean we'll be healed. But maybe a better way to put that would be to say we should have faith that God's ways are best, even when we can't fathom them, even when they seem bad. And friends, I don't say that glibly. That means that some aren't healed. That's The human cost of that is devastating. That means that some live in pain, that some will die before their time. And to our minds, that doesn't seem right. And we look at the world and we think, frankly, God, we could do a better job than you. But fi- by faith, we recognize he is God, a powerful God, a loving God, a heavenly father God. And the way he's chosen is his way. But the third thing we need to remember is all those who have faith in Christ ultimately will be healed. All those who have faith in Christ ultimately will be healed because these wonderful miracles, as I've already said, point beyond themselves to the kingdom of heaven. And all who trust in Christ as in Christ as their savior will ultimately be healed because they're saved. They're welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. The cancer will end. The coronavirus will end. The suffering will end. The social stigma will end. The pain will end. But it may come through death. But the moment we're welcomed in, to the kingdom of heaven we will be healed perfectly and it means that every prayer for the healing of a christian is ultimately answered but it may come through death fourth little thing we need to say on our walk about is this we need to have faith that god is able to deal with our imperfect faith we need to trust that god is able to deal with our imperfect faith no one has perfect faith Sometimes you hear people say, you need more faith. You just need more faith and then God will do it. If you had more faith, then that person would have been healed. Or God's not doing it because you don't believe enough. But this shows us that's not the case. All of our faith is imperfect. We don't trust God as we might. But from God's point of view, the question is, is our faith genuine or not? And if our faith is genuine then Jesus' purifying blood wipes away, purifies all of the imperfections in our faith so that God sees it perfectly. The reformer, John Calvin, makes the point that all of these people here have a muddle of faith. The ruler says to Jesus, come, my daughter's died, come and put your hand on my daughter and she'll live. And then he points us back to chapter 8 where we began this section of of miracles. And if you're with us and you'll remember there was... A centurion, a, a Gentile centurion, who comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is sick. And Jesus says, shall I come to your house and heal her? And he says to her, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word and she'll be healed. And Calvin says, well, hang on, is his faith stronger? He, he says, just say the word. And, and this guy seems to want Jesus to put a hand on his hand on her. Or, or, or what about the woman? Oh, sorry, but it's not that his faith is stronger or or maybe it is but it doesn't matter the question is is the faith genuine and we know the ruler's faith is genuine even though the word faith isn't mentioned because he comes to jesus and asks in our sense he prays to jesus or what about the woman she's got some odd ideas hasn't she frankly if only i touch his garment and calvin says it it seems superstitious Why, why does she need to touch the edge of his garment and Jesus clears it up, doesn't he? He makes it really clear why she's healed. It's because of her faith, verse 22. Not because you touched me, but because you trusted me. And she may have a timid, a trembling, a slightly superstitious faith, but it's a genuine faith. And any imperfection in her faith is covered by the blood of Jesus so that it's seen to be perfect. Or think about the blind man see what they say have mercy on us son of david the title it means the messiah and jesus says to them do you believe i'm able to do this and they say yes and he says according to your faith it will be done for you well what does that mean does that mean if they sort of doubted a little bit that maybe they'd only be partially healed they'd go from being blind to having cataracts no not at all because they have a genuine trust imagine for a second being put on the spot like that. Jesus would look at you and say, do you believe? Well, if you're anything like me, there'd be a a mixture of, yes, I do believe, but but I worry about things. There's things I'm, I'm not sure about. And we don't know these guys' hearts, but we know that they're frail humans like us. And if it was like me, I'd be like the man in Mark who says, yes, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. And the point is, faith is not like a battery on our phone. It's not that our batteries drop to a certain point. I got a new phone this past weekend. When it drops to 10%, it, it goes into low power mode and it turns off some of the apps. And it's not God is not like that. He doesn't look down on us and say, oh, his faith has got too weak or too low. I'm going to turn off some of the apps. I'm not going to bless him this week. A load of nonsense. It's not like that at all. If we have faith, if we trust him, then we're united to Christ. God is our heavenly father. Any imperfection, any doubt, is covered by the precious blood of Jesus. Maybe a weak faith, maybe an imperfect faith, maybe a muddled faith, but if we've come to Jesus, it's a genuine faith that saves. A faith that means God hears us when we pray. Even if he doesn't give us the answer we want, he hears us and answers to trust that God is able to deal with our imperfect faith. The fifth little thing as we wander on this wander about faith is keep your eyes fixed on the trustworthy Lord Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the trustworthy Lord Jesus. Although from God's point of view, the question is, is faith genuine or not? From our point of view, there is a sense that our trust, our faith can be I don't even really like the word here, but shallower or deeper or or bigger or smaller or or stronger or weaker. Now, the objective fact is if we trust Jesus, we have every blessing in Christ. But our experience of that, our enjoyment of that reality waxes and wanes. And so we need to keep our eyes on the trustworthy Lord Jesus. Let me just explain that a little bit. Jesus has shown here really clearly, hasn't he? That he has absolute power over death. And for the one who trusts in Jesus, there's nothing to fear. We're totally safe. We're totally secure. And knowing that should bring us great peace. But if I begin to doubt, has, re- has Jesus really overcome death? If I stop reading my Bible and stop looking at Jesus, if I begin to, to worry about all kinds of things to do with death then I may not enjoy that peace. No, it's not as if God is looking down from heaven and saying, James is doubting this week. Well, if he dies this week, that's it. Absolutely not, of course not. But my experience, my enjoyment of the security he's won for me will vary. Or well, think back a few weeks. We looked and saw Jesus' absolute authority and power to forgive sin. And if we've come to Jesus in faith, that sin is wiped away. All of our sin in the past, all of our sin of the present, all of our sin of the future, it's absolutely gone but if I don't take Jesus at his word, then I won't enjoy the security. I won't enjoy the reality of that. Well, what do we do? We need to keep looking at Jesus, keep being in this book and, and seeing that he's trustworthy, keep reminding ourselves, reminding each other of these truths. Imagine if these blind men, when Jesus asked them, Do you, do you believe me? if they said, well, I'm not sure didn't happen, so we're speculating. But I wonder what Jesus would have done. I don't think he'd have started asking them about, his fa- about their faith. He certainly wouldn't have said, look, just look within and, and try and believe against the odds. That's not what faith is. No, he just said, look around and see what I've been doing. I've been healing all kinds of people. I've overcome a storm. I've just raised someone from the dead. You can trust me, I can do this. And friends, we've seen more miracles We've seen more wonders than they in these pages. We've seen the Son of God dying on a cross and rising to life to overcome sin and death. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him because he's trustworthy. Well, we're nearly out of time. But as we finish, I just want to draw your attention to one more thing. And it's the warning of irrational unbelief. The warning of irrational unbelief the crowd of having seen all this verse 33 say this is amazing nothing like this has ever been seen in israel and it certainly has been extraordinary hasn't it but see what the pharisees the the kind of pious religious people say they don't deny amazing things have been going on but they say he did it by the devil he casts out demons by the prince of demons he does it by the devil. And when you think about it, how stupid is that? Jesus himself somewhere else makes the point that a house divided against itself will fall, that if the devil attacks the devil, his kingdom cannot last. And yet that's what they say. And there are two kinds of skepticism. There's the right kind of skepticism that that wants to check the facts. And if we didn't have that kind of skepticism, then we'd be taken in by all kinds of stupid things, wouldn't we? I didn't receive a a flattering email, a favor-begging email from Jay this week. But I received one from Donald Trump. And Donald Trump said, send me $47 and you can have a meeting with me. Well, it's good that I exercised some skepticism. Otherwise, some scammer would have had my $47. That kind of skepticism is so important. But there's another kind of skepticism that says, I don't care what the evidence is. I don't care what the claim is. I'm going to rule it out of hand. And you see, that's what the Pharisees do. They don't deny that Jesus has been doing these things. But they say, the devil did it. And friends, this is a warning to us. Because there are many people like this today. Yeah, Jesus does amazing things in the Bible. But we can't trust the Bible, so I'm not going to think about it. I've never seen a miracle, so this stuff must have been made up. So I'm not going to look at it. And often those people say, well, if I had been there and seen it with my own eyes, well, then I'll believe. But the reality is, if you have that kind of irrational unbelief that won't even look at the evidence, then you might have been there like this Pharisees and you'd have seen it and said, yeah, he's powerful, but you missed the point and say it's the devil. And friends, I want to challenge us by this warning. Are we, if we're not a believer, it's wonderful we're here, it's wonderful we're listening, but are we genuinely open-minded? For a long time in my life, I wasn't. I thought I was. I'd have looked at the evidence, but I'd have just battered it away and I wouldn't have been in a place to consider it. Well, friends, when we hear this warning, is your scepticism a healthy scepticism that drives you to look at the facts, to ask your questions, which you must do? Or is it an irrational, a biased lack of faith that just dismisses it out of hand? Because the Bible's evidence is that Jesus is a wonderful saviour, a saviour we can have faith in for life, for death. And so, friends, let's put our trust in him today, this week and for all our days. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for preserving these accounts of what Jesus did that show us his wonderful power, that remind us that he is the son of God on earth, and that show us we can trust him, trust him with our lives, trust him even with our deaths. And we pray, Father, that you'd help us to do that this week. for those who haven't yet come to faith. And we pray, use these words, use this book to bring them to a trusting, saving faith in Jesus. For his glory's sake. Amen.